1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, and it reads, To the present hour we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. Let me pause. If you don't know what's going on, Paul is giving the job description of a pastor. Anybody want to be in ministry? Anyone to be a pastor? Because that's, that's, that's the job description. Paul said, basically, I've gotten the snot kicked out of me for the last seven years of my life. And here's what Paul said. He said, I don't write these things to shame you. I can't, I'm having fun. I'm preaching already. Paul said, I'm not getting beat up because of the church. It's not your fault. He said, I'm getting beat up because we're at war. This is spiritual warfare. This ain't the church. This is the enemy. He says, so don't feel bad. I want you to feel bad, though. Paul said, don't feel bad. I need you to feel bad. (laughs) Paul said, don't feel bad that your pastor goes through a lot. It's not your fault. It's the enemy's fault. He said, but I do need you to know the reality of this. This is what I'm experiencing. He said, "I, I, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, I've begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son. Somebody say son. Son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful to be in your house with your people. This is an atmosphere of miracles because you are here. God, whatever we stand in need of, God, you're, you're bringing it into our lives in this moment. God, we're making a preemptive decision that as you speak, we will obey. Matchless. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. For those of you who have children, you know that it is pretty much 24 hours a day, Comedy Central at your house. And it's so bad because when they're crying, it's funny. <laughs> I know I sound like a horrible parent. I promise you I'm a good dad. But there's, it, it's, I mean, even like my little, my, my, my little two-year-old, like the way her jaw just starts to quiver and, and tears come streaming down her. And if you walk in, you would think like she broke her arm. No, 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 no. She ran out of candy. She has none left. Daddy said there's no more coming. And there is a meltdown that is on the other side of that. It does not matter. They are comedians. Now, some of y'all may have teenagers and you may say the jokes are over. I haven't laughed in four years. They ain't funny no more. Well, mine are six, five, and two, so they're still funny. I walked in my house one time and my son, Roman, he's five years old. This, I was call him a loser. This joker is sitting on my couch with his hands behind his head, his feet up on my table, watching my television. I mean, Paw Patrol in full HD. I said, Roman, what are you doing? He said, Dad, I'm chilling. 
I'm like, what you mean chilling? He said, dad, this is what you do. I said, yeah, but I got a job. I paid a mortgage. I'm alive. And the next thing I know, Zoe, my six-year-old and little baby come and they, yeah, dad, we're chilling just like you do. And it was all fun and games. And dad, this way, and they started scratching. And And I'm like, get out of my sofa. But it's wild as a parent how much your kids watch you. They watch the good, they watch the bad. By the way, my kids, my kids go to Christian school, and it's going to be bad because it's going to be the pastor's kids at Christian school that get kicked out for bad language. It's, it's, I, 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 they don't cuss. I don't cuss. Calm down. But I, I, crazy is one of my favorite words. I'll say, that's crazy, this is crazy, that's crazy. And apparently their teacher thinks the word crazy is offensive. So my kids come home getting in trouble because they call somebody crazy, something crazy or whatever. And I'm just like, you're supposed to like imitate the good, not the, not the bad. In our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, um, Paul was a little peeved. He's a little irritated. He, 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 he was kind of going off. And, and, and here's why he was going off. Paul was talking to the church of Corinth. And he said, you forgot who your daddy is. You, 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 you forgot who your father is. And, and he said, let, let, let me remind you how many times I've been arrested, beaten, shipwrecked, snake bitten so that your faith could thrive. And he said, I'm not doing this because y'all are putting me through this. It's, it, we're at war. This is the enemy. This is the attack. of the, He said, but, but you need to know. Come on. Any parents, when your kid catch an attitude because you didn't buy them the sneakers that they wanted or they didn't get the new Xbox or the, you ever just wanted to like come, come to work with me for one day and let me show you what I do to put a roof over your head. This was Paul saying, let me show you what I do to put a spiritual covering over you. He said, this is the reality of me being your pastor. And he said, listen, you... Have fun today. You can watch all the YouTube preaching you want. He said, There's nothing wrong with it. He said, But don't you forget, you've got thousands of teachers. I'm the one who begot you in the gospel. Paul was reminding the church of Corinth. Can I just, I told you, summertime, it's grad school Christianity. Y'all ready for this? That American church, at least in 2023, is forgotten. Church is a family, y'all. It's not just an organization. It's not a club. It's not this intuition that, that, that's designed to teach me biblical. No, no. Paul said, this is family. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, he was actually telling Timothy, don't forget that the church is family, and here's how you should conduct yourself at church. When you see a man that's older, don't you dare rebuke him. He said, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as you would a father. The young men as brothers, 
The older women as mother, the younger women as sisters. Watch this, with all purity. Don't take it too far now. Yo, that's my sister. I'm just telling you, stop that. <laughs> Come on now. He said, Timothy, you've got to understand that this is not just church. This is a spiritual family. Anybody grew up in church? Now, now, some of y'all, I went to church my whole life. Yeah, but not every church was church. Church was the place where anybody could beat you. Come on now. I grew up in a church where don't act up in church because any usher will take you out. Any sister, any brother. You grew up in a church where everyone was sister so-and-so. This is sister so-and-so, and this is brother so-and-so. And there's levels to church, by the way. If, if everybody was sister and brother, that was church. But you went to church, church, if you had mother so-and-so. And this is, this is mother. And, and what they were doing is they were verbally reminding themselves, this is a spiritual family. Because it's a spiritual family, I've got an obligation to the family. And I've got an expectation from that family. Now, I'm I'm, going to teach, I'm going to preach, I'm going to shout. It's going to be all good. Let let me teach for a second. God never designed the church to replace your physical family. The church was never a replacement for natural family. The first institution that God ever created was family. You go back to Genesis, God created family before he created church. God created family before he created government. God created family before anything. God created family, and family was not just designed to get on your nerves. Family was not just designed to push you closer to Jesus. Family was always designed by God to launch you into your destiny, to give you the character and the vision and and the discovery of your gifts to impact the world the way that God's called you to. Family is irreplaceable. Somebody say amen. Especially if you don't like your family. Somebody say amen. Here's what God knew. That family is broken because the world's broken. And as sin entered the world, so did brokenness in our relationships and in our families and all that other good stuff. And God says, I'm going to create something. I'm going to create something that can heal the family and that can instill in you, hear me, maybe some things that you've missed from your family. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm chapter 68, verse 6. It says, God sets the lonely... In families, he leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Here's what we have to understand. When God creates something for our good, just because the enemy messes it up doesn't mean that we don't still need it. Hear me. So a lot of us grew up in, in, in families that were just a little crazy. And by the way, that's everybody, myself included. I have an amazing dad, amazing mom. There's no such thing as perfect people. So everybody's family has some aspect that kind of tears us down instead of building us up. And what we do in a reaction to the pain is we say, well, if this is what family is. I want nothing to do with family. I'm better off by myself. And then we take on an orphan's spirit. 
God is saying, no, 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 family was designed to launch you into all that I have for you. You need it, and if your natural family couldn't give it, I'm going to create a spiritual family. And he said, I'm going to take the lonely and I'm going to place them in that family. And that's going to be a place where what life has bound you in, you're going to find freedom from. He said, but there's some rebellious folks. There's some folks that say, man, all I need is me and King Jesus. I, I don't need nobody else. No doctor, no lawyer, no priest. Y'all don't know about that. Long, 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 like anyway, God says, you're going to end up in a dry desert for the rest of your life. Because from Genesis 1 to Revelation to the end, Life was never designed to be built by itself. You need family. What's happened for so many people is because natural family didn't quite go the right way. I'm just anti anything that looks like family. So I come to church and I've got this mindset that church is just it's a good club. You know what I mean? It's a place that, that encourage. Some people think church is like counseling. It's, just, it's a place where I'm just discouraged a little bit, a little, a little overwhelmed. Get a little shot of hope, a little figure out how to process this situation. And you know, that's, that's not what this is. This is a launch pad to the destiny and the purpose that God has for you. This is the place that God has designed to build your confidence, to give you a biblical identity, to show you the power that you have in Christ and to release you on a world that so desperately needs what God has placed inside of you. Psalm 127 4 says this, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. That's God's plan for family, period, to launch each member of that family into purpose and a destiny. And here's, here, here, here's what breaks my heart. There's so many people that love Jesus, but they don't have a spiritual family. And they're working harder than they need to. And they're getting worse results than they're entitled to. Because they're missing the incubator that God has created to, to launch you. So, so over the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking this series. This is us. Uh, we're a little messed up. We're a little dysfunctional. We're we, we working some things out, but it's, it's family. We're, we're, we're going to talk about the fact that I am my brother's keeper. Come on now. Maybe you grew up in a home where, where your siblings had different parents, or maybe you were in the same house with the same parents, but there was no loyalty among siblings. It was just every man or every woman for themselves. And now you don't know how to be loyal to anybody else but your own vision. That ain't family, and that's not what God has called the church to. Every family has a legacy. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not just about you. It's not just about you. It's not just. Actually, I'm not preaching this until a few weeks later, but, 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 but tell somebody, say, 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 you represent me. So don't you embarrass me. Come on. You, you, you ever left your house and your parents right before you walked out? I said, don't you embarrass me. I'm all the way off track, but that's all right. I just got back from vacation. That's why we don't give out bumper stickers at Union Church, because I don't want nobody to know. You go to this church based on the way you drive. I, I don't want them to know. Them union people, man, they can't drive. Your, your pastor can't drive either. That's why we don't do it. But I have a legacy. Every family has values. This is who we are. So, so we'll be unpacking that over the next few weeks. But for the last few minutes of today, I, I, I want to answer this. How, 
how do I know this is my family? But, but before I figure out the legacy and the values and all that other good stuff, how do I find out that this is the family that God has called me to be a part of? I, I, I come on the natural side. I come from a massive family. My dad is one of 14 siblings. I got 13 aunts and uncles. And I always got to clarify, same mom, same dad. Because people are like, really? Your dad was a Rolling Stone? No. <laughs> same. I got 13 aunts and uncles, 35 cousins. And now we got second and third cousins because we've been multiplying and changing the world. So when you get to Thanksgiving or Christmas with the Chandler world, let me just say, you better rest before you get there. It is a party. There's 40, 50 Caribbean people. And I don't know if you know about the Caribbeans, but we a we little loud, okay? We just, we don't really whisper. That's just not. By the way, if you're dealing with the Caribbean and they're whispering, they about to fight you, okay? The only time they drop their volume is when they about to throw hands. Now, if they're yelling, you're safe. But if I'm, I'm going to tell you one more time, that's when you are in you're in trouble. You're not going to a Chandler house without them cooking for you. If you just understand, you come to my house, you come to a cousin, there's going to be food on We got food. If we have food, you are eating. And it is an insult, the highest insult, for you not to eat. I don't care if you don't recognize what it is. I don't care if you're a vegan. You will eat whatever they put on. Chandler's allowed. We like to cook. We a little aggressive, y'all. I'm not going to lie to you. We just a little. We just, we just. <laughs> you come to Thanksgiving at Chandler House, you're going to think it's World War III. People yelling, they're screaming, they holding each other. All we are talking about is LeBron versus Jordan. It's no biggie. It's just. <laughs> we, I used to love growing up when one of the aunts and uncles would bring over a new boyfriend. Yo, homie sitting in the corner shook. I mean, just, are they about to fight? What's going to go on? Then they roll up on who you is. You ain't the one that came last year. (laughs) Really? I mean, ruthless. You ever had someone tell you, oh, I met your uncle, aunt, cousin, sister, and you cringed? And you're like, what'd they say? Why? Because you can't pick. What'd I just say? I can't pick family. I can't pick my family. How do I know this is my church family? Can I help you out? You don't get to pick. God, God, God picks. I'm told you, we jack up American Christianity. Let me pick which church works, but that's not how it works. God picks. God leads. Oh, it got real quiet up in here. People like, I got Here's what the Bible says. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 says this. For from one man, he made all the nations that should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Why did he do this? God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Hear me. God picks your family, natural and spiritual. Some of y'all looking like at your natural family like, God messed up. 
<laughs> I mean, why could I be a Bezos? I mean, for real, for real. All right. No offense, Dad, but I mean, it could have been great to get a head start. No, no. God says, I picked your family, not for your greatest level of joy, but for your greatest level of impact. I picked your time of history. I picked your race, your culture, your region, and your boundaries so that you would have the highest probability of finding me. Some of y'all mad at your dad, mad at your mom, not realizing they drove you to Jesus. God says, I picked your family. And as I pick your spiritual, natural family, I, I pick your spiritual family as well. How do I know this is my spiritual family? God picks, not you. Okay, okay, now, now, while God picks, most people don't listen to God. So can, can, can I tell you how different people pick what church they're going to go to, what their spiritual family are? They're, they're, they're <laughs> I told y'all, I've been out for four weeks. I've been having me a little bit of fun. This is actually biblical. The Bible says that that, that seed, the word of God, it's sprinkled and it goes on different soils. Some is stone, some is rock. So so we're going four categories of people. We got desperate people. We got shallow Christians. We got religious Christians. And then we've got mature Christians. Desperate people. Desperate people pick their spiritual family based on what transforms my life. Hear hear me. When when you're desperate, you're not picky. When you're desperate, you're not like, did they sing my song? When you're desperate, you're not, do they have something for my teenager? When you're desperate, you're like, I need something that is going to keep me going and get these suicidal thoughts out of my life and and get this thought of giving up. I I need something that's going to breathe hope into. Desperate people pick based on what transforms their lives. Come on now. Shallow Christians pick on what's convenient for their family. Real quiet up in here. Like, well, that's how I pick this church. Okay, calm down, calm down, calm down. We we all gotta start somewhere. But it's like, you know, what how how far is it from the house? Do the times work with my kids' naps? Religious folks picks on whether they recognize my gifts. Do they emphasize the part of the Bible that I prefer? Toes? Who needs toes? Toes are overrated. Mature Christians pick a church on based on my calling. Is that where God placed me? Is this where God is using to, to develop his purpose in me? Is, is this the... God, is this where you would have me be? Is this, because if this is where you're leading me to, God, this, this is home. And by the way, the reason you pick a church sometimes is also the reason why you leave the church. So let's, can we just go back through the list? Oftentimes, desperate people pick a church based on the drama of their life, and they also leave the church based on the drama of their life. So when that loved one passes away and I'm overcome with grief, the first thing I give up on is church. 
When, when, when I lose that job and I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, the first thing I give up on is, by the way, that's why I need you in a connect group because drama is going to come. And when drama comes, you need a spiritual family that's locked in arms. I know you're overcoming grief. I know you're anxious right now. I know you're really stressed, but I'm not letting you go anywhere because this is your lifeline. Shallow Christians leave the church based on the busyness of their life. I can't, I can't come. I got soccer practice. I got to do this. I got to do that. How are you? Come on now. Religious Christians leave the church over offense. They didn't recognize my gifting. He ain't preached about hell in three weeks. I'm leaving. <laughs> come next week. We'll preach about it just for you. <laughs> Mature Christians leave a church because they were sent. Yeah. Sometimes the church God has you at is for a season. And there's nothing wrong when God brings that season to an end. But some went. <laughs> Only a few actually got. What category do I want to be in, Pastor? You either want to be mature or desperate. Don't be shallow. Don't be super spiritual. Either be desperate or be mature. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. I know your works and that you're neither cold, come on now, desperate, or hot. I'm mature. I wish you were one of the two. Because if you're desperate, God's going to transform your life. And if you're mature, God's going to equip you for great things. But if you're looking to be recognized, you're looking to be convenient, have a convenient experience. That's not how it works. I, 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 I can preach this with just a little bit of hair on my chest because I am a man under authority. I'm not just a pastor, but I have a pastor, someone I've submitted my life to. His name is Pastor Chris Hodges. He pastors Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. He's been my pastor for the last 11 years. This ain't new. This ain't, I just found him. This has been a man that's been, and I, I remember the first time I sat in a room with him. It invited a whole bunch of young new pastors, and it's probably about 20 or so of us in this room, and, and he began to talk just about the call of God, about how to love our wives and raise our kids and, and how not to lose our families for the sake of building the ministry and, and how to walk with integrity, how to be good to our staff and, and to develop the community that we're in. And when I tell you, it, it, it's, it's like the disciples said when they were walking with Jesus, did our hearts not explode? As he unpacks scripture, I, I, I just couldn't explain it. But sitting in that room, I said, I need to be connected to this person for as long as I can until they figure out that, that they need to kick me out. <laughs> and for the last 11 years, I cannot tell you how my marriage is on a level that it would never have been on if I didn't have a pastor. And my church is on a level that it would have never been on if I didn't have a pastor. And, and, and my children and my finances. And, and just hear me. I want that so badly for you. I, I, I thought about what having a church family and having a pastor does. And, 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 and uh, Acts chapter 9 verse 17 says this. That Ananias went to his house and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, brother, 
Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive what? Your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and arose and was baptized. No exaggeration. Let me get off of this in a second. Every time I'm around my pastor, I see the world differently. Yeah, you, ever, you ever brought a problem to someone? And you've been, I mean, up at night, can't figure out a solution, frustrated. And like three minutes, they're just like, do this, do this, do this, and do that. And then you say, why didn't I see that? There's just something about the body of Christ that lets you see your business differently, your spouse differently, your gifts differently, yourself different, and you're missing out on it when you don't have a spiritual family. Second thing is write this down, write this down. Can I have family without authority? I, I don't have a problem with brothers and sisters. I, I don't have a problem with spiritual family. I, you, you, you just ain't going to tell me what to do. You, you ain't, I told you we're going to have fun today. There, there's a passage in the Bible in Matthew chapter 8 where a commander in the Roman army came to Jesus. And he said, my servant is very sick. Jesus, I need you to heal my servant. And, and Jesus said, great, I want to heal your servant. Let's go to your house. And the commander stopped and said, Jesus, I don't need you to come to my house. And here's what he said, because I know how miracles work. Hear me? He said, let me read it. Verse 9, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. Here's what the commander said. He said, God, I know how your power works because I know how my power works. He said, I have power because I'm under power. And he said, I know with one word, every soldier who reports to me must obey me, not because I'm all that in a bag of chips, but because they know that if they don't listen to me, there's going to be some general that's coming for their heart. And he said, Jesus, all you've done here on earth is talk about your father. And because you talk about your father and I know you're under authority, I know demons have to flee at your word. You don't got to come just say the word. A lot of times we want to have authority but not be under authority. Can I, can I just talk for a second? There's a lot of people, okay, not a lot of people, just most people, <laughs> that struggle with their own authority and they're not able to connect it to the fact that they're not under Let me tell you about my 16-year-old son. Boy, don't listen. He talks back. Always got something smart to say. I'm, yeah, I'm, I just knock him out. Good thing God doesn't deal with you the way you deal with him. I'm just submitting a thought. Maybe your 16-year-old can't verbalize it, but they can sense. There's something missing in dad's words. And I know he's telling me what to do, but I don't see him submitted to anybody when he's telling me to. 
I wish my wife would just know her place. I'm the man of the house. I'm the head. By the way, can I help you out? Can I help you out? Can I help you out? If you, you ever have to say you're the man of the house, if, if you ever have to say you're, I mean, it's a lost cause. You, you done lost already. It even started. It's, yeah, it's a hell. Um, these women, these, maybe these women these days would recognize authority if they saw authority. But I... I'm having fun. Y'all having fun? I'm having a blast. You know why I'm having a blast? Because I'm under authority. I, I, I know that my authority as a pastor of this church doesn't come because I'm the smartest, the most articulate, or the most anointed. It comes because there were people over me that put me there because they said that's what God said to do. And if I have messed up, they're going to come and kill me. But if you mess with me, they're going to deal with you. So I'm good. There's something about being under authority. Brings me, I, you know, I had a lot of times so I just wrote down a lot of ignorant stuff. Can I, write, can I give you one of the ignorant stuff I wrote down? There's a lot of people who want to be fathers and mothers, but they won't ever want to be a son or a daughter. You want to have spiritual authority, but you've never submitted to spiritual authority. And you don't get the benefits of the kingdom while abstaining from the accountability of the kingdom. And the word that was... Why, why do I need a, what do I need a spiritual father, spiritual mother? Can, can I tell you what spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, they cover. You may not realize this. The enemy goes after your pastor before they go after you. This, this, this is why you got to be very careful. Say, I'm a spiritual father, spiritual mother. Don't you understand the people that you cover, you are now a buffer between them and the enemy. Paul told Timothy, hey, Timothy, don't, I got your back. Let me know if you got, I'm a, and, and he wrote it in his letters to the church. Don't make me come there. Just listen to what Timothy told you. And if you don't, I'm going to show up and read in the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, and then we'll see what's what. <laughs> Hear me. <laughs> the doctor said that my son is going to be born with a hole in his heart and we're not quite sure what his health is going to look like. Look like. Guess who I called? My pastor. And guess what my pastor said? I was praying for you this morning. Even before you called, you're covered. I, I need covering. What, what, what do spiritual fathers do? They, 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 they correct, but they also develop. Paul and Timothy is one of the spiritual fathers, spiritual sons passages we see throughout Scripture. And read their relationship. Paul told, Paul told Timothy, hey, I need you to flee. These little hussies in this church, flee youthful lust. Get, get away from them women. Them women are the devil. Hey, hey, Paul, you, 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 you little zob, you need to take a little wine for your stomach because you're a little sickly. I need you to, hey, 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 make sure you prove yourself to know the word of God. All, he was developing Timothy into the man that he needed to be to maximize the call of God. You need somebody in your life. Can say, hey, come, 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 hear me, hear me. I love you. God is. But if you keep hanging out with those people, you're not going to fulfill the call of God in your life. Come on now. You, 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 you need somebody that can pull you aside and say, sir, 
go home. I know you're working hard to provide for your family, but there's an amount of money that's not worth your absence. Your wife needs you. Your kid needs you. Go home. We all have blind spots. And you need somebody in your life that can watch your fathers. They cover, they develop, they correct. Hear me, they position you. Paul said, I'm coming. Well, can't come because I've got nine different churches. But I'm going to send me in Timothy. You see Timothy, you see me. Do what Timothy does and you're going to do what I do. And here, watch this, here comes Timothy. Never saw Jesus. Never got knocked off a high horse. Was never an apostle. But yet he is walking in an authority and an influence level that he didn't work for, he didn't earn. He submitted his way to. A lot of people don't realize you end up in places in life just by who God connects you to. Which you don't have to work for. Why do you get to be the pastor of the church? Well, because I served my dad for 15 years and turned down seven job offers at different churches because God told me I couldn't leave. And I was faithful to the house that he placed me in. And the next thing you know, should a 23-year-old who's single and never had a full-time job in ministry be a senior pastor? No offense to the board of trustees who voted me in, but... (laughs) But when you're submitted to where God's placed you to, you accelerate what God wants to do in your life. Psalm 133 verse 1 says this, my brethren, how blessed it is for my brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head. Running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down to the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending from the mountains of Zion. For there, where? Where things are in order. Where people aren't orphans or lone rangers or doing their own thing. But hey, I'm under authority so I can have authority. There, the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. I can't tell you how many Christians are living without the blessing. How do you know? Because everything they have, they worked for. What's the blessing? It's the God factor in my life. It's all those things that my resume and my work ethic and my hours and my networking couldn't create. It just happened by God's sovereignty. And that only comes when I'm in alignment with God's kingdom. Are y'all having fun? You know, if you're not, that's okay, because I'm having a blast. I, I'd submit to Pastor Stephen, but I don't have access to him. This church is too big. I need, I need my pastor. I want to know my pastor. I need to take my pastor out to coffee. I don't drink coffee. I hate coffee. No, but listen, seriously. Here, here, here's what Paul said. He said, don't forget him, your father. And to teach you how we do it in this family, I'm going to send you Timothy. Paul said, I can't come. Locked up in prison because of the attack of the enemy. I've got to go visit this other church that's also my kids and this and that and all that. And and Paul said, if if I come and sit down with you, I'm going to neglect 
thousands of other people. But that doesn't mean that you're neglected. Because I've got Timothy, and I've got Onesimus, and I've got Titus, and I've got fathers that have watched me father that walk in my same values and anointing, and being around them is just like being around me. So, hey, we may not have coffee, and I'm not even joking. I hate coffee. I don't drink coffee, but you've got a campus pastor. You've got a connect group leader. You've got a dream team leader, and their sons and their daughters, and the way that they talk, the way that I talk, and the way that they see God's words, the way that I I'm telling you. Well, you weren't my first pastor, so now you're not my pastor. I got saved at, I'm just, I'm just having fun, y'all. I'm just, I'm just every, every rebuttal, I'm just, can, 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 I, can I help you with, you know, Bishop Rogers from 30 years ago when you got saved back in Alabama, that was your, can, can I help you with Adoption is a theme of all of Scripture. The only reason we're Christians at all is because God. Ad- Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says this. We did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness in our spirit that we are children of God and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. My father was my pastor for 24 years of my life. He birthed me in the faith. A lot of my DNA is the father that raised me because he was my pastor as well. And then at 23, we had this really weird deal where I became his pastor. He said, this is the shift that God's calling. God knew what was going on. And he sent Pastor Chris at the perfect time that I still had covering. And if I, you don't have to stop loving the pastor that birthed faith in you. I, I, I don't need your affection to be 100% on me. I, I just need you to say this is the house that God's placed me in for this season to maximize the call of God on my last thing is this. Write this down. Number three, what's my role in this family? I'll never forget. My dad growing up owned a, a, a company, a medical courier company. They'd pick up medical specimens for different doctor's offices all over Maryland. And I could not wait to get my driver's license because I could not wait to, to, to be able to work for my dad's company. And as soon as I got my driver's license, I'm like, Dad, I got it. He's like, okay. And he, he made me drive with him for like a year. Family's all well and good, but she ain't going to miss it in my business because that's how, how I feed the family. So I, I was, and after a year, finally let me off by myself. And I remember the first doctor's office I walked in to pick up specimens. I walked in, and before I could open my mouth, they said, you're Ron's son, aren't you? I said, no, I'm Stephen. I'm going to be Ron's son. That ain't my name. My birth certificate says Stephen. I used to resent the fact that I was Ron's son until I learned something. Being Ron's son means I don't need to start from scratch. It means I don't have to start where he started. I get to start where he left all. 
And I actually get to take it to places that he never got to take it to because he ran his leg of the relay and I get to run my... What's my obligation as a part of this family? Can I give you the perks? You don't got to start from scratch. There's been faith. There's been seed. There's been, been perseverance that is going to help you start your marriage in a place that the people before you didn't get to start at. Starting your career, starting your raising of your kids and all this other kind of stuff. But, but, but there is also responsibility, which means you've got to take this thing to places it's never been taken to before. Your responsibility as part of this family is to take the faith of God. Can, I, can you hear me? To a place that I could never take it. It's actually my job to set up those that are coming after me to go further than I'll ever be. A real father wants their kids to go further than they could ever go themselves. Paul said this. He says, so here's what I need you to do. I need you to imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul said, I need you to learn how I do things. And then I need you to go do it that way. So three things I need you to do, we're going to land this plane. I need you to learn how to be a son, learn how to be a daughter. What, what does that mean? Paul said it this way, imitate me as I imitate Christ. How do we do things here at Union Church? And hear me, there's a difference between principle and practice. No, nobody's saying to be a clone, but, but, but there are principles of, hey, I'm going to be a man or woman of integrity. I'm going to be kingdom focused. I'm going to walk in the power of God, not in the power of my own strength. I'm going to be destiny driven, not not just ambition driven. Tracking with me. I've got to learn how to be a son or a daughter. And then hear me. I've got to learn how to be a brother and a sister. One of my obligations to this family is to help my brother succeed. It's not... We, we live in a world of Christianity that as long as I'm good, I don't care what's happening to anybody else. That's not biblical. God has called you to help other people accomplish what he's called, not just you. You learn how to be a son and daughter. I need to learn how to be a brother and sister. And hear me. I need you to learn how to be a father or a mother. Here, here's the coolest revelation. Am I a Timothy that can be sent? Have I built the life and the level of trust that, 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 that my church can say, hey, watch their marriage, and if you do what their marriage does, your marriage is going to be in the image of God. Watch the way that she manages money, and if you manage money the way that she manages money, your money is going to have the favor and the blessings of God. Watch the way that he raises his kids. That's who I need you to be. I need you to be somebody that I can say to the new person walking through the door, hey, watch them, and if you do what they do, you will see God formed in every area of your... I... As soon as I get over the rejection of my natural family, I don't see it from the fact of I don't want to submit to a father or mother. I see it from the fact of I'm being developed into a father or a mother so that God can use my life to birth hope and purpose in those. Come, come on, look at somebody right and say, we are family. <laughs> um, okay, stop, stop. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. 
God, that you take the lonely and you place them in families. God, I pray right now, God, that you'd break down the walls, that you would heal those areas that's causing us not to trust others. God, that you'd remove the scales from our eyes and help us to see the next season that you have for us is more based on who we're connected to than what you've placed in us. Right where you're sitting, if you pray this prayer, your eyes close, your head bow, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time to make this message personal to you. Maybe you realize, man, I am a Lone Ranger Christian. I I got to connect to the family God's placed me in. Maybe, if you'd be honest, you would say, I, I don't even know if I'm a part of the family of God. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that even though we were born outside of God's family, that because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, that we have the option of being adopted as sons and daughters of God. Here's the deal. It's your decision. Do I want God to be my father? Do I want Jesus to be in my family? You say, Pastor, I need Jesus to center my life. I, I need the Lord in my life. Right where you're sitting, you can make that decision. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood on the cross that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. In this moment, I surrender. I accept the spirit of adoption. I call you my heavenly father. Be my Lord, be my savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every...